Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And welcome in. This is Sports Talk. Don't mind me. I'm still jamming out here. I love that intro. Gets me every time. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Charlie Long filling in for uh, Steve Geller today. Charlie, how you doing? I'm good. I'm a little bit surprised by the results that we've seen so far from Alec Box Stadium, Jeff. I can't right, even Again, ahead of ourselves. We haven't even told people what's going on. Anyway, I'm, I'm just kidding. Well, you if you listen to the Flash, sports. you have an idea of what's <laughs> going on. Yeah, so LSU baseball, number two in the country, getting their season started today against VMI. You think it's going to be a, a cupcake game, huh? Not so much. What, Not what, so what's fast. been going on? Yeah, the SoCon team, the VMI Kidets, it's a unique name for sure, are currently leading this game 6-5. to five. I said in the Sports Flash is the fifth inning. It is now the sixth inning at Alec Box Stadium. And how we got there... As you heard, Jared Jones, a three-run bomb in the second inning, open up the scoring for LSU. They go at 3 nothing, And then VMI, I mean, walking the nine-hole hitter is one of the cardinal sins in baseball. And that's yes. what happened to Thatcher Hurd. Thatcher had, I think, retired seven straight batters leading up to that nine-hole hitter, walked them, and then all of a sudden things snowballed out of control. Four straight two-out hits for VMI, and they played four runs in the top of the third to take the lead. LSU answered back with a two-out hit of their own by Paxton Kling, uh, going up five to uh, four, and then the last two innings, VMI has put up a, a run apiece, and now all of a sudden you're looking at a six to five scoreline at Alec Box Stadium. LSU trails VMI. Would this be Would this be worse than losing to Colorado? Uh, oh yeah, in, in the would, opening game. Yo, know, but this is also baseball. Like, I mean, stuff happens. It, it, like, you can lose a midweek game to a team that you're better than. This like opening weekend series, Thatcher Hurd. I mean, he got off to a pretty solid start in the first two innings, and then after he walked that nine-hole hitter, things just kind of went out of control for him. Uh, he kind of lost his command, gave up a lot of hits, four straight hits, playing four straight runs. Justin Lower, the Xavier transfer, comes in. Pitches okay. Uh, I mean, not great. And then Nate Ackenhausen comes in after him, gives up a solo shot, but ever since then, Nate Ackenhausen's been pitching pretty well. Yeah, I just feel like this is going to be one of those seasons where you're just like, okay, who's the ace? Who is it? Cause, uh, you might see him tomorrow. Yeah, because I'm not sure. I'm not like I'd like. I think Thatcher's really good. I think Thatcher's a pro. I just don't know if he's a Friday night starter. It makes sense to start with Thatcher as well, the guy yeah. that's you know you're used to, the guy was that was with the program last year, the guy that ended last season in Omaha so strongly. Specifically, his postseason run, he was excellent. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it made sense to go with him. It's just unlucky, uh, you know, a nine hole walk in the yeah. se- in the third inning just spirals out of control for him. We'll be giving you updates on that throughout the day. Let us know what you think on the Oakland Art Jewelers Talk and text line 504-260-1870. We're going to be getting into a lot on the show today at 420. We're going to be bringing in Luke Braun. He's the host of Lockdown Vikings, and I figured it would be good to talk to a Vikings 
reporter so they could give us the lowdown on what exactly happened in 2021 because that offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak, is going to be here leading the Saints offense. So I thought it'd be some good insight. We'll give you the updates on the LSU game, hopefully hear from Jay Johnson in the 5 o'clock hour. And then at 6.20, we're going to be in Jeff Palermo on to kind of give us his wrap on the game, what he saw, what all went down, and all these other LSU topics We'll get into it all. This is Sports Talk on WWL. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And we're back here on Sports Talk, WWLAMFM.com and the Odyssey app. And as promised, we're going to go to the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line. Bring in Luke Braun. He's host of Locked on Vikings. And, you know, I was going through a few of uh, Luke's old podcasts talking about Clint Kubiak and some of the hires. And uh, my favorite thing, Luke, is your intro because you say, and the kid you copied off in math class. Uh, so I have to ask, are, are you a math wizard? Is that what's going on? Or are you just easy to cheat off of? Uh, I was easy to cheat. I was always okay with you if you cheated <laughs> off me because I figured you're probably learning something anyways. Um, that's actually that's not the tagline anymore. Okay. Now we uh, now we try to learn something new every day. That's the deal because I I think I've kind of moved away from the the like math based analysis stuff. It's still there. It's still useful. I still use it, but I'm a little more X's and O's now. Gotcha. Well, yeah, and Luke, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on here is, uh, you know. There's really it's tough to get a lot of information about Clint Kubiak over the last two years, mm-hmm. where he was the quarterbacks coach in Denver, and then he was the pass game specialist. I don't even know what that technically means in San Francisco. Very behind the scenes at the at the least. But you go back to Minnesota, and you know I've been watching old Clint Kubiak interviews. You can really kind of dive in to what his offense did over the course of the season. I'm just curious, you know, what were your kind of uh, opinions of Clint in that job? What were your takeaways? How did you feel he handled it? Yeah, he was very um, green when he was – Yeah, I mean, that was his first time calling plays. That was his first time going he – was, he had one year as a quarterback's coach. He was basically an offensive assistant otherwise. So he was very green. He was working with an offense that Gary Kubiak had installed and then, you know, run for two years and then retired. And he was basically flying a, a plane that he didn't build, um, which – I'll be honest with you. The the offense that the Saints have gotten all their staffers from, the Denison, Janoko, Kubiak trio, was really bad. It was, it was a terrible offense. And who you blame for that is going to kind of inform your opinion. Maybe you think that it's just because Mike Zimmer stifled all these great offensive minds. But really what it turned into was a the Vikings had a pretty big offensive line problem for that couple of years. And um, that was, by the way, Rick Dennison as a line coach, although he wasn't really present in 2021 right. for vaccine reasons. He wasn't allowed to be in the building because he wouldn't take the shot. So that, that was a whole controversy. 
Um, and then he, you know, gets, he leaves when everybody gets fired at the end of the, at the end of 2021. Um, but there were issues on the offensive line in particular in pass protection. And so the Vikings relied a ton on quick game, three-step drop, one-step drop, throw fast, try to get the ball into, you know, you know, Dalvin Cook's hands quick, Adam Thielen's hands quick, trying to get things to uh, Justin Jefferson deep when you have a shot play and that kind of thing. And, and Jefferson had a phenomenal year in 2021 kind of being the payoff to all of this quick game setup, but it meant that it was a very, um, it, it was, it was a boring offense except when you were going to Jefferson. So the, the narrative kind of became, why don't we make the whole plane out of Justin Jefferson, which I think you can kind of ask anybody and understand why that wouldn't work, but it was, um, they were trying to be very, you know, quick and easy four yards a pop in their pass game and then kind of live in the run behind Dalvin cook. Because they felt like you know that line was going to be better at run blocking than it was at pass blocking, which is very very true. Um, but what what that ended up making for was this sort of critical lack of diversity, and that's kind of a Gary Kubiak thing, like on purpose. You'll see uh, Kevin Stefanski do that, who also learned under Kubiak. You'll see him do that in in Cleveland, which is very like we have four things on our menu and, and they're all delicious. You know, if you ever go to a restaurant, you see four things on the menu, you know, every single one of them is fantastic. Kind of that deal where we can just execute these things so well that we don't really care if you know that it's coming or not. Um, but then the Vikings weren't that good at executing and they weren't that well coached. So on, on the offensive side of the ball, and that was under Clint Kubiak and then with Janoko at quarterbacks and, and Dennison zooming in sometimes <laughs> on Wednesday meetings. Uh, that was just not a very well-coached offense, and everybody kind of got canned. Now, what I'll say is guys like Janoko and Kubiak that are young have gone away and probably learned a lot in two years. Like, I would imagine that spending a year on Kyle Shanahan's offense could change a lot about what Clint Kubiak thinks is good or isn't good. So I'm actually super curious to see what kind of strategies he tries to deploy with, with Derek Carr or whoever. Yeah, so I I think you know just to kind of infer, or I guess you kind of said it. If if the Clint Kubiak that was in Minnesota shows up in New Orleans, like the doing the same things and with the same philosophies, you you think that would be a a bad thing for the Saints? You you want to see a guy who has spent those two years in lesser roles and has learned from some of these coaches, some of these systems? I'll, I'll reframe it. Uh, I think it would be pretty important to be a very mistake-free team, and that could potentially paper over deficiencies in talent. I think that's really the philosophy there, is if we do the same thing over and over and we're very sound and we don't S anything up, then it probably doesn't matter that these guys, you know, that, that my guy didn't run the best 40 or whatever. But looking at who the Saints have, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the way to go. I would look in particular in the run game and to see what um, what the Saints want to do with that, because they'll probably be a zone run game. Guy goes from you know learning under Gary Kubiak, who's like the offensive coordinator of those old Broncos teams, and you know the in, in the fatherland of, of wide zone, and then goes into Shanahan, who's the father of modern wide zone stuff. So I'm sure he's got a lot of zone stuff. Uh, and, and what I'd be curious to see is how much you see out of you know, fullbacks or extra tight end. What he does with Taysom Hill will be very interesting. Is Taysom Hill a fullback now, a tight end, some of both. Um, 
I'd be very curious to see if you get a little bit more diversity and then you don't have to be the team that isn't allowed to make any mistakes because everybody we have is, you know, because our guard is just going to get killed if we ever ask him to do anything real. <laughs> gotcha. You know, my other question, I, I think if you want to look at a player comparable to Derek Carr, I think Kirk Cousins is is a fair comparison, at least in today's NFL with, you know, a decade of experience is – has never really had a ton of success in the playoffs, but puts up a bunch of yards. And you look at that 2021 season, sure. and if you just look at the numbers, it does seem like the Clint Kubiak offense did work for Kirk. I think it was 4,200 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. What were your kind of opinions on how Kirk worked with Clint? So, unfortunately, it was very inconsistent, which okay. it just kind of described why that's not very acceptable, and that's why the Vikings ended up, what was it, 8-9 and nine that year? Yeah. Um, and, and out of the playoffs. So it was inconsistent. There were a couple of games where it's, he was just on fire. If you really want to watch that offense hum, watch the game at L.A. and then the home game right after it uh, against Green Bay. Those two games were absolutely phenomenal. And it felt like, oh, my God, they're finally figuring it out. But then by the end of the season, they had kind of fallen back down. There are a couple of games in there, um, in particular one where the Vikings lost to the Cowboys against Cooper Rush, where it, that offense was just anemic. They could not move the ball at all. And they made all kinds of mistakes, and they just – so it was a week-to-week proposition for sure. Um, but there were a lot of, you know, shot plays to Justin Jefferson, and suddenly J.J.'s putting up 200 a game <laughs> sometimes, and it's pretty easy to rack up some yards that way. Uh, but I, there's a lot of reasons to caution against saying, hmm, 4,200 yards must have been a good offense. Uh, and part of it is that, you know, if, if you have eight really great games and eight really bad games, you can get 4,000 yards, but did you have a good season? Plus, there's a, a lot of statistical reasons that total yards just aren't the best thing, but I won't bore you with that. Gotcha. What, one more question. What, what do you think is going to happen with Justin Jefferson? Yeah, I've heard also Luke just jumping on Jeff here that, you know, apparently he's looking to see what the Vikings do with Kirk Cousins uh, after the Achilles injury. He's a free agent. What the deal is with that contract uh, extension potentially uh, with Justin Jefferson and what he's going to end up doing. But he wants to get clarity from the Vikings organization. What's the latest you've heard? Well, he'll have it, right? I mean, we're going to find out one way or another. March 13th, Kirk Cousins is a free agent unless the Vikings do something about it. So he'll know one way or another before a negotiation even resumes with him. So I don't, I don't really know the point of that. It, it, it seems to me like uh, Justin Jefferson went around Radio Row at the Super Bowl, and a whole bunch of people asked him that question. said, do you care about what – what, what do you think about Kirk? He's trying to kind of bait him into saying, you know, I, I need Kirk Cousins to be here or I'm going to demand a trade or something like that, which is not how he feels. He says, you know – I love Kirk. Kirk's great. He's been my guy my whole pro career. We're very close. We have a chemistry. We don't want to, you know, rebuilding chemistry is tough, but at the end of the day, I'm a really good wide receiver. I'll catch whoever throws the ball to me, Uh, which I think is a pretty good answer. And then two days later, something comes out through Tom Pelissero that says the exact opposite. So I think someone's AG got mad. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Or somebody in that contract negotiation said, wait, you just kind of torpedoed Kirk Cousins' leverage. Wait, Mike McCartney is... (laughs) You got to play the and game. And then Tom a text going, damage control. <laughs> yeah. All right. Luke Braun, host of Locked on Vikings with some incent. I Clint Kubiak, Rick Dennison, Andrew Janoko, a bunch of new Saints hires. Thanks so much, Luke. Enjoy the offseason. Appreciate it. All right. So, you know, definitely not a ringing endorsement there. No. Uh, from, I'm curious to, you know, and there have been a few differing opinions uh, on Clint. You know, I think people are very excited about the – Kyle Shanahan connections and the potential there, but you know, like it didn't go well with no. the Vikings, right? Like I think that's, you know, we can objectively say that it did not go well 
And uh, and I think he makes a good point. And what I heard there is like, yeah, he needs to have learned from that. Correct. Yeah, use it as a learning experience. As he said a couple times, Quinn Kubiak was brand new to the profession yeah. at that point. Like he wasn't a quarterback coach for long before he became an OC with the Vikings. And, you know, he was kind of thrown into the role. It didn't work out. And all of a sudden, I think he was with the Vikings in 2019 and 2020 as the quarterback's coach. Yep. Then he became the, the OC in 2021. So Rick Dennison was a part of that staff, by the way, the new you know run game coordinator for the Saints from 2019 to 2021. Once again, it didn't work out. They kind of cleaned house on the offensive side of the football. And, you know, now they're both getting a second chance for Dennison. I mean, this is his 27th year. I believe he's been in the NFL for at least 27 years. I think this is going to be his 28th year of coaching. So he's been there, done that. You know, talking to Mike just yesterday, he was saying, you know, veteran guy that's very fundamental oriented. But even then, it sounded like what Luke was saying, it just didn't really work out in Minnesota. But you use it as a learning experience, specifically for Kubiak, because this is his second chance as an OC. And we'll see what he does. Yeah, the other phrase he used was he was flying a plane he didn't build, and I think that was a part of it, is he was running an offense that he didn't fully understand why it was the way it was. It was like, this is how it works. This is how my dad did it. This is how I'm going to do it. And I think that was that's a problem, because once things started to break, it was like, how can you fix something you didn't build? Yeah. Right? And I think that was it. But, you know, don't look now. LSU back in front 7 Yeah, you six. see how they did it, Jeff? I did not, but Five I – Five hit by pitches. No. In one half inning. I, I kid you not. Five hit by pitches uh, by the VMI, and, and you know we're joking about. You know, I was saying <laughs> I during was the break that <laughs> well, well, that that LSU should probably crush VMI once they come around again and play on Sunday. And you're, and you're just saying, oh, they'll probably still do it today. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, we'll see what happens in this VMI bullpen. Yeah, in the uh, bottom of the six have just kind of fallen apart. Five hit by pitches, two runs scored on zero hits. Uh, the bases are loaded with two outs and a full three-two count to Jared Jones. Tigers now lead that game seven to six. Jeff. At a certain point, it feels personal, right? Like if you're the yeah, fifth right. person that's been yeah, that's been hit by kinda. a pitch, it feels like they're they're, <laughs> they're just aiming throwing, for you. <laughs> There's no point to just yeah. throw at the players if yeah. you have a lead late in the game against the number two team in the country. But it certainly seems that way. It's pretty funny. So yeah, we'll see what happens if Jared Jones can come up with a big hit, or if he either walks or gets hit by another pitch. We'll find out. Uh, he in he, fact he just walk. walked, so it's now eight to six. So six th walks. The, the Tigers have scored three runs in the bottom of the six <laughs> on zero hits. It's been five hit by pitches and one walk. So the bases are still loaded. Bottom of the six with two outs. It's the early season, baby. We got some weird stuff. Anyway, we will be. Yeah, we do. Going to break here. This is Sports Talk. I'm Jeff Nowak. Here's Charlie Long. We'll be talking more LSU, Saints, whatever. Tell us what you want to talk about in the Oakland Andrews talking text line 504-260-1870. We'll be right back on WWL. And we're back on Sports Talk. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Charlie Long. Colin Steele's behind the glass. And we're going to go to the Oakland Andrews talking text line. We've got a lot of questions rolling in. 0078 is a lot. Um, you know, but one thing he wants to talk about, like Alvin Kamara, Marshawn Lattimore. One thing that I know uh, you found amusing, just like I did, is there was a Bleacher Report. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Where they proposed a Alvin Kamara trade for a seventh round to the Baltimore Ravens, <laughs> which, like, I mean, if you're the Ravens, yeah. that makes sense. But if you're the Saints, what a seventh round pick in return? Yeah, what well, are we doing? You know, it's it's funny because you know it's fun. This is the time of year where every team overvalues their own assets. Uh, yeah, sure. And doesn't and thinks like everyone else is just trying to give away p productive players for peanuts. And I understand why you might think the Saints. You know, if you're if you're outside of the of the market and you aren't paying attention to how the Saints manage their salary cap, I understand why you might look at that and say, oh, they probably just want to unload Alvin to save money, 
But the problem with that thinking is the Saints don't save any money by trading Alvin Kamara. I mean, you would end up with $17 million in dead cap in 2024 if you traded Alvin Kamara. So you're not making that trade unless there's a return that is actually something, is tangible. Because I think based, he's going to have about a $19 million cap hit this year. If you traded him, you would clear $1.6 million, but you would be paying $17 million for a guy who's not on your roster. So you're not doing that. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be a price that makes sense because I just don't think the market, the trade market for a 29-year-old running back is going to be anything that blows you out of the water to the point that you're willing to eat $17 million. What I will say is you're going to go through all these restructures. You're going to have to restructure probably 12 to 13 contracts. Ryan Ramchek and Alvin Kamara are the two contracts that I don't want to restructure because I still think you can get a very productive version of Alvin Kamara in 2024. In 2025, I'm not sure. And what you can do by not restructuring this year is go into 2025 with a lot more flexibility where maybe you do swing a trade or maybe you do move on and, and you go with the youth movement at running back. But in order to get there, you have to get through 2024 first. And I still think that he's going to be the lead back and he's going to be the star on this offense. And there are so many question marks to your other point about Ryan Ramchek. We heard from Mickey Loomis and his postseason presser that they were feeling good about it. But, Jeff, I, I just don't know how much I trust it at the moment. Uh, I'll just kind of have to see it to believe it just because, you know, I told this to Mike yesterday, and I don't think it's this serious, but I just look at what happened with David Bakhtiari, a former all-pro left yep. tackle for the Packers. He had really bad knee issues, and it's kind of derailed his career. You don't want to see that happen to Ramchek, a former all-pro right tackle, a guy that you've already paid a large contract to, a guy that's a kind of key building block of that offensive line for the next couple of years. Um, you know, they're, they're confident that he'll be okay and that they'll fix his knee issues, and maybe not necessarily fix, but he'll be able to continue playing at a high level uh, for the rest of his career in New Orleans. But I just I have to see it. I just have to see it, Jeff. Yeah, the issue, is, it's not necessarily just about, okay, can you get Ryan Ramchick to the point where he's playing high-level football? It is, can you get him to that point, and then can how long can he stay at that point? Yeah. Right? Like, he didn't have a major injury that – ended his season this no, year his knee just kind of gave up it's been something that he's been doing with right. i mean he was on the injury report every single week as like a rest day yeah, he was getting Wednesdays. rest days every wednesday correct correct right. and so like later on in the week you'd be seeing him kind of go off the injury report or be limited at practice well later in the year it, it got more yeah. in the t- yeah. in sense of being limited later in the week too yeah so i mean i mean it, it was a, as you said a consistent thing it wasn't just like a single injury that happened during the season yeah. it's been kind of nagging him throughout the entire I mean, just this past season. Well, and I mean, and it's like, okay, so you have a guy that's like, well, okay, can you get a representative version of Ryan Ramchek through 14 weeks? But that doesn't help you if your your goal is to get to the postseason and win, and uh, he can't get that far because that's the issue that I have with with Ryan. And I just you don't know until until it happens. But you have to you have to hedge in some way. Um, the other part of that question was Marshawn Lattimore. Yes, I do expect the Saints to shop Marshawn Lattimore, and it won't be about cap savings you're really not going to save a ton on the cap but i do think that there's going to be a market if you shop at marshall Lattimore. I and mean, we've said it multiple times you know top cornerback ones don't grow on trees and cover corners are among the most important positions in football marshall Lattimore's elite i know that he's been limited the last two years and how many games that he's played with injuries uh, but if you're a team that's kind of close you're willing to take a swing on that i mean i don't know if that's a second round pick i don't know if it's a second plus uh, and, and we'll go from there. But I think, yeah, you're right. Lattimore definitely has value. 
Yeah, and I guess the question is, you know, how much value? What would the trade be like? You know, I, I look at Jalen Ramsey. He, he's been traded twice. Yes. Right? And so you're not going to get the Jalen Ramsey from the Jaguars to the Rams type return, which was two firsts and a fourth. No. You're not getting that. Um, but I think you're also going to get more than the Jalen Ramsey from the Rams to the Dolphins, which I, I had it here, was a 2023 third-round pick and tight end Hunter Long. So I think you split the difference between those two those two trades. And I think if you're looking at Marshawn, you look at the Marshawn market and you're saying, what would be a positive result in terms of we were able to pull this asset out? I think it's basically if they throw a second round pick in there, snap snatch it up, because that's yeah. the deal. <laughs> and we've we've mentioned it before that, you know, the gap between the Saints second round pick that it is technically the Broncos yeah. and then their next pick at, in the fifth round pretty big jeff so you want to try and accumulate some kind of capital there i know that you had mentioned yesterday that you could see them trading up with some of those fifth round picks to move up into maybe the fourth round uh, and kind of make the break a little bit shorter if they see a guy that's falling in the draft maybe falls to early day three and you go up and get them uh, a guy that's pretty high on your board but yeah there's a big gap i also think if you're going to trade him uh, you're going to do it after june 1st because then you could spread out the cap hit over two seasons so i think we're talking about a 2025 pick personally okay marshawn because it's just if you trade Marshawn prior to June 1st, then all that you already have a difficult job to try to manage the cap table this year. And if you add all of that to it prior to June 1st, that's a problem. So I think. So then we're looking at to potentially accumulate more picks in the future. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But for this upcoming Which isn't year, a problem. No, it's know? not at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not at all. But if you're looking to accumulate more picks for this upcoming draft, you would be. And, and Loomis has called it multiple times a deep draft with uh, plenty of talent. Mm. Uh, you'd either be trading back from that first round pick of 14 overall or packaging maybe some of your later picks to move up and then you don't have as many fifth rounders and they have a couple comp picks this year as well uh, to get back in the fourth round maybe I don't even know if you could get up to the third um, but you have you have a couple options yeah and as we saw I think in 2020 they traded the entire back half of their draft board to go up and get Adam Troutman in the third round so it's not definitely not something that the Saints are shy about doing is moving up but all right we're gonna hit one more break here in this hour when we'll be coming back we'll talk more saints what do you want to talk about let us know on the oakland heart jewelers talk and text line i'm jeff nowak he's charlie long bringing you up till 7 p.m here on sports talk this is wwl chugging on toward the end of hour one here on sports talk i'm jeff nowak alongside charlie long cullen Steele behind the glass and we're going to go to the oakland heart jewelers talk and text line james Indola is hanging on the line what's up james you're on wwl Hey guys, so um, that, like you said, Jeff, that wasn't a ringing endorsement. But remember, <laughs> um, you know, we 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 talked about uh, in the past get when when Armstead. I don't know if you were here then, but uh, when Armstead was missing games, yeah. But when he showed up, he was he was a hell of a he was like a top five, top three left tackle. Then we thought we could replace him, and we're still trying to replace him. And 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 Miami is having the same problem. You know, with, with with Armstead, but when he's playing, he's gold. He'll get him in the playoffs. You know, uh, it's going to be the same thing with 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 uh, with Lattimore. There's not a better cornerback in this this year's draft. And the the best cornerback right now, I think, is the kid from Alabama, and he's really he really plays safety. Like if he came here, I like to see him play safety. I mean, you know, he don't, none none of the corners in this year's draft has this kind of speed. So I'm saying all this to say I'm not gonna be very long winded. But the thing is that um, I know Sean uh, would love to have Lattimore, 
he would give up a number one. Now, what Sean really wants to do, I mean, Sean and Denver, uh, Peyton, what he really wants to do is move up to get himself a quarterback. I mean, the last mock draft I, I, I read, they had him going as crazy as picking up McCarthy, but which I think is crazy, but he's, he's young, he's 20, you know, uh, and I, I think he's got potential in the second round, but nevertheless, uh, that would give him two lockdown corners if he if 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 he gave us a number one and uh, the, the kid over in Denver. And I'm just using Sean as the example. But there's not a better there's there's not going to be a better cornerback in this year's draft. If you need a corner, um, you, you know I'm, I'm talking about a press cover corner. There, there's not there's no one better than Lattimore in this year's draft. Uh, another thing with Kubiak, uh, yeah, I mean what I like about him is really his dad. If you remember. The last year, the, the last time uh, Peyton actually won the whole thing when he was in Denver, yeah. I mean, he was on his last leg. He wasn't really doing anything. It was the run game. And, and who led the run game? If I'm not mistaken, it was Kubiak, right? It, it, you know, it was a strong run game. It was emphasis on the run game and defense. So I would prefer, uh, given that, you know, the guy said what he said, is, you know, let 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 uh, Kubiak pick his offensive lineman, you know, through free agency, if we got enough pieces, let him get. We're, we're going to need a running back. I disagree with you about AK. I don't. I think he's on his last leg as well. Um, uh, but we need. You know, when, when AK was at his best, it was like it was it was uh, Latavius Murray, and it was uh, the, the the Alabama kid, and him Martin in the middle was a three-headed horseman. He's not a bell cop type of guy, but I would like to see DA get as many defensive pieces. And and uh, let's focus on the run game, and you know uh, that that play and pass uh, needs to work because that's that's all that 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 Gary that Gary QB the guy that I know is all about. He's about play action passes and making sure the quarterback is is able to uh, set up the throw based on the run game. That's all I got. No, and th- thanks for the call, James. Yeah. I- See, I, I disagree on Alvin. I think Alvin's still – he's the same guy that we saw over the last several years. I, like, I don't think you've seen him take a step back. I think the offense has not been efficient, and the blocking has not been good, and I think that's what needs to change. And and, and that's what I'm hopeful that, that Clint can bring in, you know, just freshen up the run game. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like it's just gotten very stale, and particularly in how you use Taysom Hill and uh, – yeah, and, and I don't know. You look at this off the offensive line group in this draft and – I think you have to bring in somebody. It would be very difficult to look at this offensive line group and not add a piece in the first round. Uh, if a guy like Olu Fashanu or Taliese Fuwanga is there. Uh, what do you think, Charlie? I'm actually looking back at last year's draft because I remembered at least four or five first-round cornerbacks taken. This year, I don't think there's going to be as many. I don't think it's as strong of a cornerback class, to James's point, that yeah. you're not going to get anyone better than Lattimore in this year's class. It's a fact. It's just how it is. If the if you stay at pick 14, it makes all the sense in the world, and we actually got a text about this, if we expect them to take a defensive end or offensive tackle at pick 14. If they stay at pick 14, it makes sense. They have a couple guys in that area. You know, the edge rushers, you see Dallas Turner, you see Liatu Latu, uh, you see Jared Verse from Florida State. Those types of guys going anywhere from, I would say, that 8 to 15 range. So maybe one of them will be there at 14. If not, there's a couple offensive tackles. We talked to Ross Jackson last night. He said Olu Fashanu from Penn State, right. who is the most polished pass protector 
in this class is you know probably going to be a top 10 pick but if he falls out of the top 10 that may be someone you can go get uh, I mean Talisa Fuaga is the guy that was at the senior bowl he was the top tackle prospect there he kind of got a first look at him and just you know what do you think Jeff yeah I mean there, there's just a lot of options and that's why I don't see a trade necessarily making a ton of sense if the Saints were a team that traded back ever yeah this exactly. would be a great year to do that because I just think you you're gonna have these the the top ten is just a lot of top end prospects, but then I just feel like from from eleven to like twenty eight, you could probably just move any piece around to wherever you want. You'll see, and you could make a case for it. I would imagine three quarterbacks, obviously taken in the top three, three receivers taken in the top ten. Yeah, at least. Yeah, I think it's going to With be three. neighbors Harrison, neighbors Adunze. Harrison Jr. and Adunze. Yeah. And then you'll see maybe two offensive tackles. It, it's going to be very – the top of the draft is very offensive heavy this year. Yeah. You'll see Joe Alt from Notre Dame go the tackle. And then maybe you'll see Fashanu, Olu Fashanu go in the top ten. And Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers, I mean, I don't know where Brock Bowers is going to go. I, I could see him fitting, you know, Jim Harbaugh's system and the Chargers at number five. Yeah. I think that would make a lot of sense to me. But if he falls past that, you know, do the Giants go get him at six? I, if he falls past that – where does he end up? I saw a recent mock that had him going all the way down to like 16. And Mike and Mike and I have talked about this. If he falls to the Saints at 14, you got to take him. You can't not take yeah, him. I mean, it's best player available. It's a top five level prospect that will have fallen out of the top 10 to pick 14. They had him going 16 to the Seahawks. And if the Seahawks got the chance to draft Brock Bowers at pick 16, they'd be jumping up for joy. Yeah, but I mean, this is the same conversation that we'd be having about, oh, if he got to 13, they should be taken. If he got to 12, they oh, should yeah. be Oh, like, yeah, every single pick. That's why he's not going to get to 14. Just yeah, like B. John so Robinson, either. like last year, it was there. oh, if B. John gets there, uh, should the Saints take him? That's like, of course point. they should, but he's not going to get yeah, there. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's true. It, some team is going to pull the trigger. I think Bowers is a top 10 guy. I don't think he's going to fall to 14. If he does, I would be ecstatic because this is also a weak tight end class. It's Bowers yeah. and then everybody else. Last year was a great tight end class. Yeah. This year, it's very, very top-heavy. It's just that one guy, and then, I mean, the next guy that gets picked is probably a third-round prospect. And you've seen how important that tight end position is. For sure. And, uh, the, and any team would be happy to get that. But all right, we're going to hit news. This is WWL. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.